Well, good day from Australia. You know, um, my wife and I have moved to the, the worst, past of, worst part of Australia. It's called the Gold Coast. And I know that many of you don't like the Gold Coast because you never go there, but uh, we love it there. It's, it's a lovely spot, not far from the beach, and we can walk down that, uh, the beach and enjoy the sunshine and also the nice fresh air. Wow. But it's good to be back in Malaysia, be good to be back here in KL, and to see how God is working here at Glad Tidings. God is doing a wonderful work amongst your, your church to see the new facilities. We were, when we were here, we were at the other facilities down in Jalangasing. And, uh, you know, we remember being in that, that, that hall there and uh, being part of the church there. And it was, a, it was a good experience for us to come from Australia and work with the church and also be involved in missions. Now, uh, I've recently retired, but I call it refired, not retired. You know, uh, you don't retire in the Lord. You continue to minister and serve God. And I know that there are a number in this church uh, who are a little more ancient than me who continue to serve God. And I get very, very inspired by them because they're not ceasing their ministry. It doesn't matter what age you are. God continues to use you. And uh, I stepped away from my role as a head of biblical studies at the King's School in Sydney, which is a very large private school, a Christian school. And uh, I was overseeing the Christian education there. And I decided, no, I want to go back into ministry. I want to go back into missions. I want to go back and come back here to Malaysia and spend some time here. So I stepped out of my role and my wife stepped out of her, her position. And we focused back on ministry. And uh, the Lord opened, opened the opportunity for us to come and see you here and spend a whole month here in Malaysia. So now I'm getting used to the food again. You know, it's always good to experience Malaysian food. I think we had one of the best meals last night. You know, we had all the varieties of those, all the different types of food, and we enjoyed it so much. Uh, the other thing we enjoy about being in Malaysia is just catching up with all our friends. And it's amazing to see how God has raised up so many leaders that when we were here, many of those young people that were young when we were here now are leaders in the church, and that's, that's great. The other thing I was very impressed with was Pastor Vincent's knowledge of football. Last week, I sat there going, Pastor Vincent, you amaze me. You know so much about football. Uh, I mean, he wanted to be a football player, but he didn't quite make it. But that's all right. I know I, w I was in the same experience. I, I wanted to be a football player too, but uh, I never made it either. But that's part of life, isn't it? Sometimes you have these dreams that you never quite make those dreams, but that's okay because, uh, you know, I was never called to be a football player. And I'm going to be here at that special night when we're going to watch the finals. I can't miss that. And if England's in it, wow. You know, I mean, I mean Austra we're Australians, but my parents were English. They were from England. So I have a little bit of an affinity to England. I have a bit of loyalty, uh, although I think France is going to win. So, <laughs> so not much loyalty to England if I think France is going to win. All I know is Brazil's not in there, and Brazil's not going to be very happy about that, are they? Uh, and what happened to Malaysia? No Malaysian team? Oh, come on. Uh, there was a Korean team, a Japanese team. Uh, next time, maybe a Malaysian team. Australia was there. We didn't last very long. I think two, we had a couple of games and we did pretty well. And after that, I'm not sure what happened. But anyway, we, uh, we continue to have hopes that one day Australia will win the World Cup. 
thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Who knows? Well, my topic for tonight, this morning, not tonight, last night I spoke on the same topic, so it's this morning, uh, is it accessing God's spiritual hyperdrive. Now, you might say, that's a weird topic. <laughs> it is a bit unusual, but I'm a person who loves science fiction. Anybody else here like science fiction? Yeah, there's a few. Not many. Hmm, okay. Uh, young people usually like science fiction, like Star Wars and Star Trek and all those kind of movies. I went, I went and visit, watched the latest Solo movie, which didn't get a very good rating, uh, but I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. It had some uh, sort of background of the history of Star Wars. Uh, but there was one point in there that came to me that I felt had a spiritual application. And uh, it's the concept of the hyperdrive. Now, those of you are, who like start, uh, these kind of movies, you know what a hyperdrive is. A hyperdrive is the, the ability that a spaceship has to go beyond its natural ability. It can, most of those spaceships travel very fast. They can go through space using, uh, I think they use um, radiation or ro radio power or some kind of power to power them, uh, nuclear power. But when they switch on the hyperdrive, they go from the normal speed into this incredible speed that takes them into another dimension. And uh, I want to kind of apply that to our spiritual lives uh, and how that works in our, our work relationship with God and how God wants to work through us in a supernatural dynamic power so that we can see God's power working in our lives. Last uh, Sunday, Pastor Vincent was talking about us glorifying God. And uh, it was a wonderful message about how we can glorify God. But I want to encourage us to realize that God wants to glorify himself through us and in us. That we are his vessels of glory. Through us, we bring the presence of God. We bring the glory of God in us to this world. And the glory of God is revealed to this world through us. And that's kind of what I want to share with you this morning. How God wants to reveal his glory through us. Well, we're going to start in the Gospel of John, and in John 14. Better remember, I've got to turn the clicker, haven't I? I'm responsible for this machine here, okay? Oh, oh, okay. Good intro. That was the hyperdrive in action, in case you wonder what that was. That wasn't me driving the car in Malaysia, or someone driving in Malaysia. That was the hyperdrive, okay? Just in case you're wondering what that was. All right. Let's see if this is going to work. Where do I point this thing? Huh? Down? Up? I'm just going anywhere. Um, have I switched it on? I'm having a problem with switching things on this morning. I'm not sure where that's going. Maybe they could change it for me upstairs, wherever they are. Can you change it to slide? No. Uh, this gonna... Oh, here we go. We're there. All right, John chapter 14, verse 8. You can see technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it? When it works, but when it doesn't work, well, we don't worry about it. This is the verse that we're going to look at. John 14. Put this verse in context. Jesus was in the Last Supper. This was the Last Supper with his disciples. Before uh, he was crucified, before he went to be crucified, he was arrested after this, then taken to the cross. And he was meeting with his disciples. This is a long session, actually. We go through John 13, John 14, John 15. There's a whole lot of verses here that Jesus was conversing and talking to his disciples. But this is one particular conversation that he was having. And uh, Philip came to Jesus and he said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
And Jesus answered him by saying, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What an amazing promise Jesus makes to us, that we can ask anything in his name, and he will do it. And he says there that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God wants to glorify himself in us because Jesus is dwelling in us. He goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he talks about that the Holy Spirit will be our helper. And the Holy Spirit will be with us and the Holy Spirit will be in us. But one of the greatest things that Jesus says, if I can, yes, working, not, maybe you can switch it to the next slide, thank you. Jesus has established himself in us. This is a great mystery, isn't it? It's an amazing mystery to think that Jesus, the Son of God, the living God, dwells in every one of us if we're a believer. If we know Christ, if we've received Jesus as our Savior, he's chosen to inhabit us. He's chosen to live within us. We now are his home. Now, many times uh, we forget what that really means, that the fact that Jesus has dwelt, is dwelling in us. Maybe we move to the next slide. Thank you. It says, you know him, for he dwells with you and, you, and he will be in you. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him or her. Where is Jesus right now? Point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Where is he? He's in you. He dwells in us. We are his home. He lives in us. He dwells in us. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in every single believer. This is an amazing mystery that sometimes we, fully, we don't fully comprehend what it means to have Jesus dwelling in us, to be the dwelling place of the living God, that his spirit lives in us. If we can have the next slide, thank you. Do we really understand what that means? Now, when Philip came to Jesus, he said, show us the Father. He said, show me the Father. And, and Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time. And you don't know the Father? You don't recognize the Father? Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. You see me, you see the Father. You see God in me. I am God. I am literally God. I am, the, I am revealing to you the nature and character of God. Look at me, see God. Philip couldn't understand that. Jesus had been 
performing miracles. He'd healed the sick. He'd raised the dead. He'd cast out demons. The miracles and supernatural demonstrations that he was God. He'd fed the 5,000. He'd walked on the water. He'd turned water into wine. Philip had seen all these miracles, and he still questioned Jesus. Show us the Father. Where is the Father? And Jesus said, you see me? You see the Father. But the challenge is this. This is the big challenge. When people look at us, do they see Jesus? Do they see Jesus when they see us? Do they see the Father when they see us? Do they see God when they look at us? Or do they just see this person who's trying to live a Christian life? Or do they see the life of Christ in us? Do they see the, who Christ is in us? Because when people see Christ in us, when they see the life of Jesus in us, the glory of God revealed through us, that is what impacts their lives. That's what transforms their, their, their hearts because they can see the power of God dwelling in us. And this is the amazing possibilities that we have. So next slide, thank you. So what does it mean to have Jesus dwelling in us? What does it mean to have the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, indwelling us? Well, I kind of like think of it like this spiritual hyperdrive concept, that we have a potential indwelling us to do amazing things. We have a potential for, for, to do incredible, powerful works for God. Now, that could be supernatural works, yes, but it's also works of love works of compassion, works of ministering to people, works of bringing life to broken marriages, bringing healing to hurting people. In us, we have the capacity through Jesus to do amazing things. Every one of us here has that capacity if Jesus is in us. There is no limit to what God can do through us if we're willing to let God work in us and through us. And that spiritual hyperdrive is just there available to us. All we have to do is ignite it, let it turn, be turned on. Okay, moving on to this one. So this is just a little illustration of what does it mean that indwelling us is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the power of God himself. All right, next slide. So what does that mean in terms of what God has invested into us? He's invested spiritual gifts and we know, obviously, that all the spiritual gifts, the prophecy, the, the speaking tongues, the gifts of healing, the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, the gift of discernment, all these are spiritual gifts that God has invested into us, that we have access to those spiritual gifts. We can operate those spiritual gifts. We can also have spiritual authority, the ability to stand and resist the enemy, and the enemy will flee. Jesus said, in my name you will cast out demons. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick. In my name, we have authority that we can exercise because Jesus is dwelling in us. It's not our authority. It's his authority indwelling us. We have spiritual weapons. The scripture says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Jesus has given us spiritual weapons, helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the, sh the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel. These are the, the weapons and the armor that God's provided for us because Jesus is indwelling us. Next one. 
I love this little picture. I kind of made it up a bit. You know, I, I play around with Photoshop a bit and you see the little band-aid on the top of his head. Well, I, I created that little image because I wanted to kind of illustrate what it means for us to be overcomers. You know, sometimes I get, I kind of, in my ministry over the many years, I've seen many Christians who seem to live defeated Christian lives. They seem to struggle in their Christian walk. And let's face it, we all have our ups and downs. Sometimes we feel powerful and overcoming, and sometimes we feel defeated, and sometimes we feel overcoming. We do have these cycles in our walk with God. I've been a Christian for nearly 36 years now, and I know there have been times when it's been a struggle. But one thing I've learned over these years is that God has, in, has enabled us through the indwelling presence of Jesus to be victorious and overcomers, to live defeating the enemy's power over us. In 1 John 4 it says, Dear children, you're from God, as, as, uh, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Now, who's the one in the world? Who's, who's, who's this John referring to here? Who's the one in the world? Satan. The powers of Satan. The satanic powers. Satan is in the world. He's referring to Satan. He says, the one in you is greater than the one in the world. Jesus in you is far greater than the powers of darkness out there. We recognize we're in a spiritual war. We're not contending with flesh. We're contending with spiritual powers all around us. But who's greater? Jesus in us is greater than the powers of darkness around us. So as Christians, we are overcomers. We are victorious. We're conquerors. The Word of God says we're more than conquerors because Christ dwells in us. We are overcomers. Next slide. This is talking about, this is what it says in Romans, but, but if Christ is in you, it goes on to say that he will give life to our mortal bodies. Life, life. Life is, is health and strength and well-being. Yes, we know it refers to eternal life as well. Of course, we have eternal life. But we also have life now. Jesus said, I'm the, the life, I'm the life, You're the, I give you life. So in us, we have health and strength. We can expect God to minister to our physical bodies. When we're sick and we're struggling, we can say, Jesus, you're in me. Your power's in me. I know you can bring me health and strength and, and you can restore me because you live in me. He's, our bodies are his temple. He dwells in us. Next verse. Change the slide. Well, thank you. Jesus indwelling us means that we have been empowered and released to do good works in his name. Anything that we, we can minister in the name of Jesus. We can speak out in the name of Jesus and see God do great things. Notice that what Jesus says. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And even greater works. That doesn't limit what God can do through us. There's no restriction. You say, well, little me, I'm not an important person. I can't do anything. I'm nobody. Oh, come on. You're not a bit, you're nobody, but who's in you? Jesus. 
Can Jesus do things? Sure. You're just his vessel. He's just working through you. You're just the place where he dwells so that he can manifest his glory through you. Don't limit what he can do in you. Jesus said, the word of God says, he's chosen the weak things of this world to confound the wise. You think, I'm not a great intellect. I don't know the Bible very well. I don't know the, I'm not very studious. I don't know these things. No, maybe you don't. And maybe you need to learn. But in you dwells the presence of God. In you is all that God has is provided for you that you have available to you to release to do the works. Next slide. Thank you. So how do we release this? You know, God's power is in us. Jesus is dwelling in us. And it's a partnership. You know, sometimes we, we want God to overwhelm us and to just, like, we just sit there like passive and, here, God, just do whatever you want to do, God. I'm just here. Uh. No, it doesn't work like that. All right? It's a partnership. It's a team effort. Jesus is in us. He wants to work through us, but he's not going to cross over our will. Our will determines who's in control. Our will dictates who's driving the car. All right, I love you Malaysian drivers. I've, I've actually been using Grab a bit while well, since my Kerry and I are here. We love this Grab concept. It's a good idea. You know, you just dial up, you get this driver come and pick you up. You never know who you're going to get. Hopefully you get somebody good. You have some conversations. I haven't had a really good spiritual conversation yet, but we will try. We'll wait our opportunity and speak to the right person at the right time. But, you know, when the person gets and drives the car, they're driving the car. I don't drive the car. I mean, he could pull up and say, excuse me, can I drive the car? And he says, yes, sure, get in there. And he goes to the passenger side and I get in and drive the car. No, I wouldn't because I wouldn't want to drive in Malaysia and the traffic here. When we first came to Malaysia, we drove in the traffic and that was the last time I ever wanted to drive in KL. So, you know, but he drove the car. And it's a partnership in relationship with God. Who's driving your car in, in sense of your life? Who's in control of your life? Right now, you're in control. You dictate how you're going to do what you're going to do. You choose. But, you know, you have inside you a, a, a passenger saying, I'm, I want to guide this house. I want this car. I want to be the one who leads you. I'm not going to take over control, but I want you to give me the opportunity to reveal myself through you. I want people to see that I'm living you. So what do we have to do to release that power that God has put in us? Let's look to the next slide. Oh, go back. Sorry. Uh, I forgot to mention this. In this movie, they have this product called Coaxium. If you've watched this movie, I might inspire you to go and see it now. This coaxium is a, is a made-up product. It's not real. It is the fuel that fuels the hyperdrive. The hyperdrive needs fuel, like our cars need fuel. I'm not sure how much your fuel costs here in Malaysia, but in Australia it's getting more and more expensive. But, you know, you put petrol in your car, you turn the ignition on, and hopefully your car starts because the petrol drives the car. In this product, coaxium is like a... If you put coaxium in your car your car would blow up because it's so powerful, this material. It kind of it powers spaceships and causes them to go into hyperdrive. It's just a small drop of this, this kind of product in, your, in the spaceship causes it to go into the superdrive. It goes, all right? That's just a small amount. 
And I thought to myself when I looked at that, I said, it's like Jesus in us. There's potential in us to cause us to move into another dynamic and another dimension. But that, that, that product, that, that power that God's put in us needs to be released. It has to be ignited. It has to be, to be switched on so that it can move in us and empower us. So what does it require to release this, this power that God's put in us to release it? All right, well, just a little bit of it. Here we go. Does anyone know where that's from? Come on, say that. Do we have a mission impossible reaching the lost? No. We have a mission possible. It is possible to reach the lost. It's, imposs- it's possible to reach those who don't know Christ. It's possible to see multiple people coming to Christ. We don't have a mission impossible because we have the power within us through the Holy Spirit to see lives transformed. So I chose Mission Impossible, not just for that, but because in that picture that we just saw, you saw the light, the light being ignited. Now, I don't know what happens at the end of that. It goes, and then suddenly blows up or something. But uh, we didn't get to that point because Tom Cruise's face comes up. And I didn't want to show you Tom Cruise because, you know, um, well, you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to get off track when we see Tom Cruise, do we? So moving on. Okay, next slide. Okay, so what do we need to do to ignite? We need to confidently believe in Jesus. Now, this is so basic, isn't it? I mean, we know this. But it's not just confidently believe in Jesus. It's to confidently believe that Jesus wants to release his power in us and through us. That he wants to empower us and release us to fulfill his purposes. It's not just believing in Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, I believe in you. No, it's Jesus, I believe that you are in me and you want to release your power through me. I believe that. I confidently believe that you are wanting to reveal your glory in me and through me. That's the kind of belief that releases the power of God. Next slide. We have to be motivated by God's love and compassion. You know, it's so easy as Christians, we get comfortable, we get contented in our Christian life, we come to church, we sing some nice worship songs, we go home, and it's all good, it's all nice, but there's no compassion. We don't have a heart for the lost. We don't have a desire to see people's lives transformed. We're contented in our own Christian life, but that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart is breaking for the lost. His heart is compassionate towards the needs of those around us who are in darkness. There are multitudes of people in the city of Kuala Lumpur that are living in darkness, who who have no revelation of Jesus. They're all around us. And Jesus' heart reaches out to them and his heart is in us we cannot sit back and go oh well it's not my responsibility send the pastors out there that's their job send out the people who who got the time to do it I'm too busy I've got too many responsibilities it's not my problem sorry it is our problem because Jesus is in us 
And Jesus is concerned about those around us. You can't go to work and sit there and not be conscious of the needs around you, of the people who are living in darkness, because Jesus is in you and he's motivating you to do something, to respond. And when you respond to that need, the power of God is revealed in you. Okay, it, so we respond in obedience. Now, I know that many of you are capable, that have done do this all the time. There's many of you who, when God speaks to you, you respond. If God says, pray for this person, you pray for them. If God says, give to this person, you give. You are very obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You recognize God's voice and you obey his voice. But the more we operate like that, the more we'll see God's spirit work through us. The more we'll see God's power manifested in our lives. Every one of you has that capacity to hear the voice of God, to know what he's saying and to respond because his voice is in you. The Spirit of Christ speaks to your spirit and inspires you to do things. Sometimes, you know, I'm walking along and I get the sense of God saying, go and pray for this person. Go and speak to this person. Oh, I don't know what to say to them, Lord. What am I going to say? Just go and tell them that I love them and I care about them. Oh, okay. I'll go up to someone and say, Lord, I, I want to just tell you something. I don't know you, but I want to explain to you that God loves you and God cares about you. And they break into tears. Why are you crying? What, you know, how, how did you know that I was struggling? How did you know that I was going through this terrible situation? I didn't know, but I just felt I wanted to come and tell you that God loves you and God cares about you. And he has a plan for your life and he wants to minister to you. When people see us responding like that, people see God. You see, they say, where is God? God isn't anywhere. I can't see him. When we respond led by God's spirit to minister... People see God because they see us ministering to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't it amazing what God has provided for us to change this world that we're in? All right, let me just com completely fin finish off because I know we've got to move on to things. So what is the motivation that causes God's power to be released in each of us? It's this love for others. You see, what was motivated Jesus to minister? Healing, deliverance, casting out demons. What motivated Jesus? What caused him to do what he did? How was it the, that, he, we, that he, he gave all of himself? Because he was moved and motivated by love. He gave up his, his place in heaven to come and dwell amongst us so that he could transform this world by bringing his love to this world. And if his love is in us, how can we not be motivated by love? We must have this compassion that he has for the needs of others around us. And that motivates people to go to mission trips to in Vietnam or, or to wherever, to Cambodia, wherever. But our mission is not just out there, it's here. In Australia, we live in the Gold Coast. There's multitude of people on the Gold Coast who don't know Jesus. Thousands. Australians are becoming quite hard-hearted, secular. They don't have a great deal of desire to know God, many of them. They're very comfortable. They drive around in nice cars and nice houses, and they don't really have a need to know God, many of them. But God wants to reveal himself to them. There's a mission Everywhere we go, there's a mission. There's an opportunity to reach out to people and see them transform. 
So loving people. And love is the catalyst. A catalyst is something that ignites the power of God in our lives. And finally, 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 I'm good on time? I think so. Because I want to have some time to let God minister to you this morning. I want the Holy Spirit to charge you up, get that hyperdrive working so that you are empowered to do what God has called you to do and you do not feel that you're just sitting there and saying, well, it's, that's, that was good. doesn't really do much for me. I, I, I want you to go away this morning knowing that God has got inside you the power to do whatever God wants you to do and you have the capacity to do it because God's Spirit dwells in you. His Holy Spirit through Jesus is indwelling you. So finally... This is an interesting passage from Paul. He says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To them. Now, Jesus, this Paul was talking to the Gentiles. The, these are not, this is the new converts that Paul was making, the new Christians that Paul was making. Were, most of them were converts from, they were Gentile converts. And he said it was a mystery, a glorious mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Pastor Vincent told us that we are here to glorify God. I believe we are. And we can worship God. And we can declare God's goodness. We can do all those things. But there's something about having Jesus in us, that means Jesus wants to reveal his glory in us and through us so that this world who doesn't know God, has no understanding of God, has a revelation of God because God, they see God in us. They see Jesus in us. They see the glory of God revealed through us. What an amazing thing that we, who just mere little human beings, not anybody significant. God has chosen us as his vessel to impact this world. Yes, he could come and send angels down here and he could do all kinds of supernatural events in the, in the heavens and people go, oh, look, there's mighty God. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Look at all the incredible things he's doing. And yet he says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose a whole bunch of Malaysian people from KL who go to Glad Tidings Church and I'm going to put my spirit in them. I'm going to live in them. And through them, I'm going to reveal my glory. Jesus, you know, that's crazy. Why don't you just do it? Leave us out of the picture. We can sit back and watch. No. We are all in the, we're all in the, we're all participants. We're all involved. We're all part of this. We can't escape. You accepted Jesus. You accepted whatever that meant. You can't sit back and say, well, I accept you, Jesus, but uh, just leave me now. I'm just, I'm just cruising. No, you're involved because Jesus is in you. Let's stand together, shall we?